This is episode 111 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 111 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have James Fernandez on the show. And James is a really impressive guy because in less than two years, he's built his portfolio up to over 20 properties. And the majority of that is not with joint ventures. This guy is crafty. He's smart. He finds creative ways to fund his projects. And he's really good at raising private money. So James obviously seems to be a quick learner. He actually started out once he heard Matt McKeever and Jeff Weibo speak at the OREC conference, I believe it was 2019, that he sort of got the bug there. And uh, he's been moving quite quickly, started off in his duplex, which he converted, and he's living in the basement. So he's doing a little bit of a house hack, and it's allowed him to grow quite aggressively. He's actually partnered with a couple of previous guests that have been on this podcast, including uh, Taylor Sears and Jeremy Ivany. So uh, a lot of smart people putting their heads together. And I'm confident that you're going to get a lot out of this episode. James is presently de- dealing with the hurdles of how to scale his business, how to start delegating tasks and hiring help, uh, which are are things that we all encounter as we grow. And uh, I thought it was a really cool discussion. Uh, I do apologize. James's mic was a little bit hot for this interview, so I've done my best to balance that out. As always, please make sure that you leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you listen to the audio version. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit that like and subscribe button if you haven't already and uh, hit that notification bell so you always get notified when a new episode hits. Lastly, share this episode with somebody you think it might help. If there's other people in your life that you think could benefit from the concepts taught here, by all means, share it with them. Who knows? You might just change somebody's financial future. And if any of the terminology in this podcast is new to you, or if you ever come across something you don't understand, I strongly recommend just going right back to the very beginning of this podcast so that you can nail down the nuts and bolts. We really dig into the basic fundamentals in the first 10 episodes. Uh, So I do strongly encourage that. It'll help get you a better footing so that you can continue on listening to this podcast and developing your knowledge base. So without further ado, please enjoy episode 111 with James Fernandez. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have James Fernandez on the show and you might have heard that name. He's doing big things. So James, first off, thanks for being here. No worries at all. Uh, I know you're out in Florida still and um, no plans of coming back for the near future until we get this uh, shit sorted out over here. So as long as I can stay, I can stay. I mean, I'm sure there's sure. no time where I, where I have to, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would, I'd be okay to stay right till June, but I don't know if, uh, if Jordan's on board with that. Fair enough. I actually really like that you're at a, a stage in your business where you can um, be so hands-off and I'm, I'm really looking forward to that stage in my business as well. Um, working on getting there and building that structure and system right now. Man, it's interesting. And we'll dig in, we'll dig into that and kind of what you're up to, but sure. I had to really think about that because I've been talking about this a lot with, with some higher level um, people these days about creating systems and, and the who, not how thing. I've been, I'm reading that book yeah. and yeah. it's, it's long overdue. I should have, I should have read that book a long time ago, but uh, yeah. I've really done it well on the construction side. I'm really able to not be there because I've had that team built out over the course of six years. The admin mm-hmm. side is the next step for me. And that's been a, a very critical one. Uh, what about yeah. you? Tell me, tell me about your business just before we, we kind of get too tangent here. Tell me about what you yeah. do as an investor, <laughs> what your business is surrounding real estate. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I've been real estate investing, uh, I guess, officially. Um, my first real estate property I purchased February 18th, 2020. So kind of one year and a few days. Um, prior to that, it was uh, over at 2019. So like April or so, end of April 2019, where I went to that uh, real estate conference with... Um, Matt McKeever and Jeff Weibo hosting here in London, Ontario. Um, That kind of opened my eyes to seeing what I could really do. I did a bunch of research. I started converting my, so I'm living in my basement apartment right now. It's a one bedroom basement apartment. I converted the upstairs into an Airbnb and the downstairs into a livable uh, separate dwelling, secondary dwelling or duplex unit. Um, That was, I guess, how I got started. Uh, From there, using... The better method um, to just refinance and use that money uh, to repeat into multiple other properties and currently sitting at uh, 24 different properties and 48 roughly uh, units. That's uh, that's a pretty wild number to uh, to hear done in 12 months, roughly. What's I, I don't know though. Like it's what's the story there? 
it's just literally copying what what everyone else has done um really not reinventing anything here um i think the people that have um shared their stories yourself included um kellen uh jeremy Corey, uh my one of my business partners mina um there's matt mckeever mike roser like all these guys they're so influential and they share everything so just watch and copy like it's it's nothing more special than that i yeah copying is important and yeah. Yeah, i'm a big i'm a big believer in that don't don't try and reinvent the wheel but once you get a certain level of sophistication you can innovate and then yeah from there that's where where the wealth potential uh, gets astronomically larger so if i understand this correctly because i think i had a bit of a a background on you i think you might have even emailed me this but you have a lot of joint ventures in your portfolio do you not um i have two joint ventures uh one of them is uh jeremy taylor um, so you, you know them very well uh, out in Chatham. And the other is uh, Mina Gurgis, and that's uh, another joint venture partner of mine. Um, okay. Everything else that I own is uh, like privately owned or personally owned or whatever you want to call it. Okay. So, so, so you uh, were able to burr, I mean, we're talking, what, over 20 properties without joint ventures inside of a year? Um, the joint ventures were a huge part of that. Um, don't get me wrong. So with Jeremy and Taylor, uh, I was the money partner. So I was bringing capital, I was bringing uh, like the down payment and qualification. Mm -hmm. Um, That's basically a a possibility for me early stages. Um, Getting capped out kind of quickly after that um, because it doesn't kind of matter how much money you make or have, you always need more. (laughs) So uh, beyond that, um, switching into a joint venture partnership where we're, we're bringing different aspects of the business, but not aspects of the money. So that's more on the commercial lending side, raising capital, and then doing larger deals where we're raising money for those deals rather than um, bringing the money individually. So were all these properties burrs then? I, they couldn't have been. Like, I'm just thinking, um, don't even answer me yet. 24 <laughs> properties, I think you said, 24 properties inside of a year, unless you yeah. unless you had a different crew working on each one. I just don't even think there's a way construction crews could finish the work in that time frame. So, yeah, it's a little, it's a little, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a little, it's a little ridiculous when you, when you put it like that, but um yeah, it's uh, it's not full. Like, not all of them are fully burred yet. So the first uh, the first property, so the, the one that I'm staying in right now, um, this one I. So the reason I got into real estate investing in general is because I wanted to own a Tesla, and I was living it in my mom's basement at the time. I had a good job. I'm still working at the like the same company and everything. Um, and I was like, technically, I could afford this car, but I would never leave this basement. So I need to figure out a way to to afford this car without also like staying in my mom's basement forever. So um, I was trying to figure out different ways uh, for passive income because I didn't really want to take on anything more. And um, at the time I was like, well, you know what, I should probably move out. I found a house that had a garage to charge the car and uh, it just happened to have like a good setup. Like, I was looking for a different setup so that one of my friends could rent the basement apartment. And uh, they were paying me enough rent that I could then really subsidize the cost of the car. But then at that point, the Model 3 was just about to come out. And uh, I was like, all right, well, I'll just wait for the, the cheaper one. It seems more reasonable, less uh, kind of idiotic to just blow this uh, crazy money in a car. Uh, long story short, with, uh, Tesla dro- dropped me uh, into real estate. And then uh, from uh, real estate, I realized there's more and more potential into passive income. Um, then that's sort of what got me started there. And I think I'm just kind of rambling right now. And I lost track oh, of your question. <laughs> It's good. Um, well, I mean, I, I am going to dig on this more. So, mm-hmm. so out of 24 properties purchased since February last year, yeah. so 12 months ago, how many yeah. are completed as burrs? Uh, let's see. I, I actually wrote this down because I knew I was going to just lose track. Um, one, two, three, four, five, five, and then another three are almost there where are you buying london ontario primarily um then chatham with jeremy taylor and then i have a, a set of condos in corona as well as one of my oh, ventures. Like closer to sarnia right? sarnia yeah just outside of sarnia yeah okay pretty nice little town and tell me a little bit about your background what do you what did you study in school what do you do for work what kind of capital sure. did, you, did you bring into this 
Sure, yeah. Um, so I studied uh, mechanical engineering at the University of Waterloo um, and graduated in 2015. I work still as an engineer at a company here in London, Ontario. Um, so yeah, that's, I guess, my background and work. Um, what I, what capital I brought into the deal, I saved up $12,500 for my 5% down payment on, on the property that I'm in right now at $245,000 purchase price. Um, spent about forty grand in renovating. I did all the renovated, uh, renovations myself down here um, because I didn't know any better at the time. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'll just learn it off YouTube and it'll be great. I'll save a bunch of money. Um, spent about forty grand and uh, it refined at four twenty five, which is great. Um, not buy anything fantastic. I did just the housing market in London. Yeah, um, crazy. It's pretty nuts. Um, I think I could refi it again without doing anything right now for closer to 525 um, based on the comps around me, but I haven't uh, stepped into that pool yet. Did you see um, Kellen? Kellen posted like I a, did. an oldies village house his duplex. Sold, sold for like 200000 over asking or something? Yeah, yeah. Well, that was his, I think. Oh, you sold his so, own. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's insane right now. The market's absolutely insane right now. So, um, yeah, that's that's sort of, I guess, where I started. Um, I realized very quickly after doing, it took me like six months to reno um, every day after work, that type of nonsense. So this house you're in now, you started last February renoing it? Um, no, it was slight. It was slightly before that. Yeah, my first like actual rental property. So I refied this house uh, just before that purchase, like February, I don't know, 15th, 10th, something like that. Okay, so here's my disconnect right now. Yes. So your your six properties done, no five done, mm-hmm. which means only five could be refinanced for now. Yet somehow you have twenty four. <laughs> so yes. I have nineteen that have not been bird that are somehow purchased when you came yes. in with five uh, percent down payment on your first one. So where's the <laughs> where's the capital coming from? Yeah. Yeah. So raising raising money has become something that is kind of ridiculously easy with social media. Um, by creating a good business structure, a good business plan, and coming to investors with something strong, you're able to raise the money that you need for the commercial commercial mortgages. Okay. And um, are you doing that's mortgages basically or promissory notes for-, uh, for the for the privates? Um, prom prom notes on those. Yeah. Okay. So you're you're generating a whole bunch of of promissory notes. What kind of interest rates would you typically pay out on that stuff? It's eight to ten percent typically that I'm paying out. Yeah, yeah. I've, done, I've done very similar. So yeah, that would be that would be my ballpark as well. Yeah. Um, okay, so eight to ten percent. That's quite a bit of burn, though. If you've got nineteen properties that are sitting in the queue, what what's the reason to have bought those and have them in the queue when they're not being worked on? Unless you have enough teams to work on all of them at once now, which I imagine you don't sleep if that's if that's what you're doing. <laughs> I don't sleep, and they're almost done actually. So um, yeah. I have one unit left um, that's not renovated. Um, and that is in process right now. Uh, two others are being turned over, uh, tenant move, move out, move in type of thing, um, just as a natural type of process. One of them is a, a cash for keys. Um, so I guess I need to run out three more units um, in the portfolio. And uh, yeah, then I'm done renovations for, okay. for now. Okay, so... The idea would be to refinance these all. I'm, I'm guessing you're going to have to go commercial. Uh, and I think you know Absolutely. That. You've been listening to the podcast. You bet. <laughs> um, so, so you've got a lot of properties there. There's no way residential lenders are going to be okay with all that. But Hell no. You go into it knowing that. What kind of LTVs? Like, let's go through an example. Uh, sure. And try and give me like an average one. Uh, so we sure. can see like what's going to happen if you're not, you know, it's not a, it's not a grand slam home run, but mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's a single and, and we'll, we'll talk about how those numbers work and how that fits with your overall strategy. So let's pick one. Sure. Yeah. Tell me what sure. you got it for. Okay. Um, I can go like, I think you've already covered one of my properties with Taylor and um, one of them that was uh, Harvey Street in Chatham. So I'm, I'm not going to talk about that one. That one was is fully bird. Okay. Um, we can talk about one that uh, I guess I can do my Florence one. That's a, just a it's the first rent the first uh, duplex that I bought. Um, so that one is it's an okay. It's like a like a zero burr. So I purchase price uh, for that one was $215,000. And that includes the $15,000 wholesale fee. Okay. And then you renovated that one for how much? $100,000. <laughs> I had... Including carrying costs? 
That's right, including everything. So it was actually about 107 or so, but I got uh, quite a bit back in rebates from the Union Gas and whatever. It was about 100 grand. Oh, okay. um, you did the energy rebates. That's good. Yeah. Um, okay. And then you got a you got an appraisal when you were done. That's right. It reappraised at four hundred thousand dollars. Okay. So then your new mortgage on that would at seventy five percent, but you probably got an eighty percent on the first one. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, at 80- so I, I wanted to give you a, a residential example, and then I'll, I'll give you a commercial example in a sec. Okay. So, so that one, it looks like your net investment's like minus five thousand dollars, or roughly break even. Uh, let's yep. just work out the cash flow on that one. So, sure. On that one, what do they look like? So, duplex upstairs sixteen fifty, downstairs twelve fifty, and they pay their own electricity. Okay. So, so twenty nine hundred gross rent. What are your taxes there? Approximately like three grand. Uh, it's uh, actually nineteen hundred dollars a year. Did you get a permit on that when you did the work, or is that just? It's it's already a permitted duplex, and all I did was cosmetic oh, so stuff. It. Okay, so that's yeah. good. If you did do a permit, then they'd come back in and double your taxes on you. Yeah, that's yeah, stuff. for sure. Gotta love that. Yeah, it's already R two two zoning here in London and uh, legal duplex already, which was kind of a okay. steal of a yeah, deal that's, there. That's a big big uh, benefit. Okay, so maintenance. If you just fr- freshly renovated, it's probably not that much. You could. Yeah, I, I, I like to say a little bit more. I did eighteen hundred bucks a year, roughly seventeen, eighteen. Yeah. So yeah, you're, you're figuring like 6% or something. Uh, yeah. Okay. Utilities, you are paying some, correct? Yep. So I pay a little bit there. I pay gas. It's about 600 bucks, 700 bucks a year. And then um, they pay electricity and I pay water. So it's about 800 bucks a year, roughly. Okay. So you're about 1500 in utilities management. Are you paying a manager? I set, no, I'm not, but I set aside uh, about 4% for management. Um, and that just covers like if I need someone else to go do stuff, um, yeah. and a virtual assistant that I'm hiring right now. So, all right, well, we're going to talk more about that because uh, yeah. that's a hot topic for me right now. I, yeah. you know, we will dig into that more, but, um, okay, lawn cutting and snow removal. Are you leaving that to the tenants? Have you worked that out so that they know exactly what they're each responsible for? Yes. Yeah, so they're technically responsible for lawn cutting and snow removal, but I've budgeted $1,200 a year for that. Um, and I set that aside for whatever else comes up. Okay, so you got a value of four hundred thousand. So you're at a four hundred thousand dollar value on this. It looks like you're a cap rate of about just short of five percent, which is actually pretty good. Uh, your debt coverage ratio would be. This is if we were doing it commercial, we would want to look at this. Mm-hmm. So at 80%. most lenders um, that I'm talking to are looking at are like a one point one five to one point two type of thing to start. One point two is pretty standard, but yeah, they can yeah. they'll flex. Okay, so on that first one, you get like a two and a half percent interest rate though on the Florence property. It's actually like a one point six nine right now, but um, when I first started, yeah, it was. Um, Okay. It was like a two, two and a half type of thing. So at a 1.69 on a 30 year amortization, you'd be a mortgage payment of about 1130 and you'd have 508 bucks or so. We'll call it 500 bucks in cash flow approximately. Yep. And that sounds right. Budgeting for the 4% that you don't really pay, but you you got to compensate yourself. Like you should build in a, a, a cost for that. And yep. then I just, I like to include 500 bucks miscellaneous for just whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you're really nice. Nice. that The taxes are not going to go up on you. Hopefully. Yeah. Impact gets wind some other way. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. That's, that seems to be the trigger. If they see a building yeah. permit was taken out, then they just come out and they thank you for adding value to the neighborhood by oh, you bet. pay more for your own property. It just, the, the idea of property taxes is just most, ridiculous <laughs> so arbitrary so i made a bunch of mistakes on that property man like uh that hundred grand like i did another duplex shortly after that and i'm, I'm working on something very similar now and um that hundred like it got broken into um i i over renovated yeah like you know all this there's so much shit that went wrong i over renovated i found like all sorts of garbage that i i probably should have just left alone and but whatever like at the time in my head i was like oh i'm right down the street from like this new tourist attraction it's uh the factory here in london yeah and uh i was like oh, i'm gonna turn this into a fantastic airbnb it's gonna be a luxury airbnb like quartz countertop everything brand new everything blah 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 um i ran my numbers off of rental with the hope that i could get this airbnb extra income and it didn't work out but uh the rental income is is more than enough to carry the property the tenants are freaking fantastic so it's uh 
Yeah. It's something I don't, don't really think about that much. This is a real life example of my plan A, B, and C requirement. So I'm doing this exact same thought process right now down in Florida to, to look at Airbnb potential because there's huge potential, but it's got to yeah, work the exact same way that you've made this yeah. work. It's got to work yeah. right, rented to regular families because otherwise something like this happens or the city regulates Airbnb and says you can't do it anymore. And all of a sudden yeah. you're out of luck. Exactly. And like for me at the the time I was entering, so February 2020, it's like um, peak peak COVID shit. So um, right right around uh, right around the time when um, construction ended on that place, I was like, oh my god, my property's gonna go up crazy in value. This is sweet. People are gonna be loving this place. It's down street. You can get drunk over there and walk home in five minutes. Like this is amazing. And um, and then it's like, yeah, factory shut down. I was like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> god damn it! What do I do now? So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's fun, crazy that but... you kept you kept building so aggressively through all that. A lot of people stalled, myself included. Uh, I didn't I didn't really uh, want to be aggressive through all that. But uh... I didn't I didn't really have any other choice. Like, um, I shouldn't say that. My 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 choice was to to not take uh, any action at a point where I had kind of nothing, mm-hmm. um, and then my, the other choice was to to do something while everyone else is not. So I decided to like, in my, in my head, how I rationalize it. I'm I'm 29 right now. Worst case scenario, I lose absolutely everything, go bankrupt for seven years. (laughs) And, uh, okay. Then I'm, uh, I'm 36 and uh, I just get my first credit card again. I'm at 36 years old, but the whole time I'm still working. Like I still have my day job and, and whatever else. Um, so in my head, that was the rationale. I was like, oh, fuck it. Like I'll pay cash for everything for the next seven years. <laughs> so well, It's not even, yeah, that's a different conversation. It's not even seven. It's only, you know, for first time bankrupts. I used to work in mortgages. It's two oh yeah, yeah, fair. Oh, there you go. And then you can get credit cards again. So, um, <laughs> you know, you'll, you'll probably have to start with a secured credit card, but there is a way, you know, for people who go through that um, to, to rehabilitate themselves a lot quicker. But, yeah. But yeah, it'll be on your credit bureau for seven years. They'll be able to see what sure. happened. But after that, then it's like a clean, <laughs> clean slate. They can still figure it out though, because they'll see something yeah. isn't that old. They, these, these, yeah. the clever ones can figure you out, but a lot of them won't <laughs> get it. Um, okay, so that's, so that's sort of where I was coming from. Yeah, I, I, I like, I like that people will do things like that when they're when they're early on. Like you just say, hey, what do I got to lose? You know, what's my? If I don't do it, here, here's what I'm gonna have to look forward to. And if I do yeah. do it, yeah, something bad could happen, but I could also really, you know, make sure that I do a good job. And, and make it happen so yeah I my my fear ourselves in it right like we for sure control our situation and i think the, the investors that fail are the ones that think that the control is outside of themselves that yeah. oh, this contractor screwed me or this happened no that's not the case like yes those things can happen but yeah re- respond to them yeah and i like for me at least uh, the fear of um not doing it was way more than the fear of failing and that was like that's the main thing for me there it's like okay like if I don't do this, then I, I still like have this job, which I, I love my job. That's why I haven't quit it. Um, and I still like, I finally got my car that I wanted. That's great. But then what? Like, I don't know. There's, there's more, like you can do more. You should do more if you can. So why was the fear of failing great for you? I don't know. Like there's, there's a, such an easy path laid out by all these people like you're yourself included in that list where it's just like just do these things it's not that freaking hard and then you set yourself up for some something different something better something more um and if, if someone gives you like such a like take this left foot forward here take this right foot forward here and you don't do it like who's the idiot really like you know come on you have to uh, and then so if i'm if i'm just like sitting at sitting at home staring at the ceiling and or watching netflix or whatever you know tiger king i don't know whatever's on these days but but i could be just like in that in that 15 minutes messaging i don't know a few mortgage brokers or a couple contractors and setting up something or doing both at the same time i don't know um then then you probably should and i i couldn't not <laughs> So it was just a kind of a FOMO almost. Yeah, yeah I guess it, I need to be able to do it and I need to make it. I guess so. Yeah. Like in, in a, in a sense, um, it's, it wasn't out of, um, like a comparison. Uh, Jeremy and I talked a lot about that where, um, like a lot of social media, we, we have a, a an urge to compare ourselves to others quite aggressively. And, and that's why like 
if I don't know if you if you've gone on my on my Instagram page, I don't really like that. The one last post that I did was the first time I really shared the number of units that I have and like what mm-hmm. what type of whatever like the number of doors. I don't I don't usually like talking about that stuff um, because I don't know if it matters really that much. Like it's kind of a vanity metric. Like if you have a billion doors, if each each is losing a dollar, you're losing a billion dollars. Like it, it, you know, kind of doesn't matter as much. But I I really like um, sharing where I'm getting stuck or where I'm failing because I get so much feedback from people. Like I posted a, a grocery cart full of like needles that I found in one of my duplexes. And um, I was like, I don't know what to do here. Like I just found these goddamn needles. It's a gross shopping cart full of like sharp spins. And um, people were like, Hey, you can just call the city and they'll just come get them. Like you don't have to carry them into shoppers drug mart. Like you did the last time or whatever else, you know, like it, the feedback is, is great. Or, if I get stuck on on some other random thing, it's uh, the community is just so so helpful, yeah. um, and I find that interaction really fulfilling rather than just saying, "Hey, like um, I have eight billion properties, and um, here's my Lambo, and uh, you know that's that's kind of it." Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that either. I think that there's a certain amount of of you know establishing credibility if you're talking about something but at the same time if people know you and know your reputation and what you share you you really don't need that yeah. so um yeah that's that's valuable to know that now just before we get sidetracked here mm-hmm. i did just want to say what what i see on these numbers so so we, we figured about 500 dollars in cash flow on that first mm-hmm. one uh pay down on your mortgage would be about eight eighty seven hundred dollars a year and then you yep. have uh, that's averaged over the five years the first year would be less um, yep. and then you'd have a i'd say three percent appreciation normally although it's been way more but if it was three that's 12 grand and then cash flow on a yearly basis is about six grand so that's about twenty six thousand dollars a year in return you know 6.8 percent return cash on cash and then your return on investment is infinite since you don't have anything into it so that cash on cash sorry would be if you had a full down payment but uh, mm-hmm. but you don't so i mean this is one of those deals where if somebody were to buy it from you at what you got it appraised that you wouldn't have sold it for that anyway yeah but, uh, it would have been a fantastic deal for them it would have been cash yeah. flowing from day one which that's kind of a unicorn these days usually people have to create the cash flow they've got to make it happen right yeah um yeah on that on that note like i kind of wanted to talk about uh, more on the commercial side just to give um whoever's listening an example of something a little bit different Mm -hmm. um so the one i wanted to talk about was another jb that i did with uh, jeremy taylor um this one's kind of unique because i structured it's a fourplex again but I, i put a commercial mortgage on it um and this is with rbc and i know this uh it sounds kind of weird um to ask for a commercial loan rather than a residential loan because interest rates are higher and whatever else and you have to put more money in and whatever else but the reason that i wanted it structured that way is because the cap rate that they gave us on first appraisal was nine and a half percent just like kind of garbage um like in chatham we're seeing like between six and seven right now something like that that's wild which is wild yeah um but the the opportunity that we have to raise the rents over the next the course it's a two year mortgage um, over the course of the next two years it, it's it's insane how much that this building will appraise for and granted we probably won't get that high number six hundred plus thousand dollars um, in in Chatham with no comps to support that but the potential is is there even if they reappraise it at nine and a half percent so for something like that it was a seventy five percent loan to value mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, so like I still had I had to put a lot of money into the deal. Um, we didn't have to do any renos there though. Like we we spent very little. Um, so that's sort of how I justified the difference there. And um, can we run through these numbers real? quick? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So so let's. What did you buy it for? So this is in Chatham. This, this is in Chatham that you did with Jeremy and Taylor, or a different one? That's that right. Done with them. This this is like one I've done with Jeremy. I asked too. them about. Yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. No, it's not that one. Um, yeah, this one is just with uh, Jeremy Taylor, and the purchase price on this one was uh, three hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Okay, three twenty. So, then... so something interesting. Uh, just sort of before we get into that, something okay. interesting that that I got screwed on because this again, this is my first commercial mortgage. I know what the hell I was doing. I was like, oh, this cap rate thing sounds great. Let's do it, and um, it appraised at three fourteen based off of the current existing income. That so I bought it. So you went right when I bought it. Mortgage on the way in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I never would do that. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I know. That's what I mean. Like, I, privately, <laughs> yeah, but go ahead. Yeah. So, like, that was the first surprise. Um, where it's just like, oh, I have to come up with this extra six grand that I didn't plan for. Um, so that was that was the first surprise. Um, so purchase price was three twenty, but I had to come up with seventy five percent loan to value on three hundred and fourteen thousand dollars plus that six right. grand. So, so a few grand more. So you're like seventy four percent loan to value or something like that. That's uh, right. So no reno there, or did you have a reno anyway? Not really. No, um, we didn't really spend any money there. Um, it's a fourplex with a garage that we're leasing separately. So the income on it is about forty six grand a year right now. Forty six grand a year. Uh, yeah. Forty six four oh four to be specific. Uh, yeah. So you're you're gonna be. Oh, my my sheet is miscalculating rent for me. Okay, so forty six grand. Um, we'll just say forty six to keep it easy. Absolutely. Um, okay, so continue on. So what are we looking at for? I'll just leave three percent uh, vacancy rate in. I, I usually do that. Um, taxes. What do you plan? What are you paying on that building? Uh, this one's uh, more expensive. It's about twenty four hundred bucks a year. Twenty four. Yeah, that's still low compared to my properties. Insurance. What are you paying on that building? Uh, twenty seven fifty two. So it, one thing I kind of learned in Chatham is that. Um, there's a lot of floods in the basements. So a lot of basements are unfinished and insurance is kind of high for, for Chatham. Oh, okay. It's either that. Is it because it's in a floodplain? It doesn't seem to be, but okay. <laughs> like yeah. not all of it, at least. In London, over in the Blackfriars neighborhood that's in a oh floodplain, most, yeah. most insurance policies, the reason they're not expensive down there is they just don't cover flood. So if, yeah. if you get, <laughs> and, so it's in a 100 year floodplain. So they assume that you're going, your house is going to be underwater, at least partially once every 100 years. <laughs> I don't know if I buy that anymore because they've really reinforced yeah. the the one side of the river. But if yeah. you talk to like Mark Snowcell down at Upper Thames, who I've talked to many times, yeah, they they're legitimately concerned that one day it will be out of control and it's gonna it's gonna flood. But no one really thinks about that. Like no one really does. I'm, yeah. Whether you believe it, whether you don't, it's, it's interesting to know though. Um, yeah. Okay, so insurance is a bit higher, and and trust me, right now for for everyone, like I have I have a two unit building. I just got the it went up a lot. I, I was I was like eighteen hundred last year, twenty eight hundred this year, like just a thousand dollars more, and yeah. it makes no sense. And the same thing, yeah. my student rentals, same type of thing. Like yeah. the old insurance company that used to insure them won't even insure them anymore. So I had to switch yeah. companies, and it's just crazy what's been happening with insurance. So everyone, I just went. To, You're making our our policies go up. <laughs> yeah, I just went through like this is I guess my first first year kind of dealing with first of all snow removal. That was a huge thing. I had totally not set any of that shit up because I not had to deal with snow before. So like getting, getting snow removal, salting, all this other stuff, uh, all the renewals for insurance, same thing. Like, um, I think overall in the portfolio, it was going to go up about 10 grand roughly. Um, just, they're like, oh, this is just what it is. Yeah, and um, mercy, right? It's like an entire industry. It's almost like industry <clears throat> collusion. Like they're obviously playing off of each other because oh my god, you have yeah. sees what the other is doing because there's just no way that's a coincidence. They're all just watching yeah. each other's pricing and and it, not colluding, yeah. but but uh, sort of colluding. <laughs> so I've started to sort of switch. Yeah, <laughs> um, maybe a little uh, background chatter overheard at the pub type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've started talking to mutuals, which has been really. Really helpful um that that's been a really good cost saver there mutuals yeah oh like uh okay so so basically uh the similar concept to a credit union but for insurance yeah okay so that's been really nice do you have an example of one in london uh, i actually don't have one for london um it's kent though i think i'll, I'll make sure I, I i'll write it down and i'll send it i'll send you that um yeah those would be useful right because then they're not for profit but the same thing would happen right if they had a bunch of claims in one year then yeah they're, they're going to basically increase the next year to, to compensate yeah um, all right so maintenance what do you what do you figure in there it's an older building you didn't do anything so it might be nicer to budget a bit more yeah so we have about 2500 bucks a year there okay so that would be yeah, that's actually about five percent. Like for me, I'd probably go. Yeah, you're five six percent. I'd probably go a bit more, but I just like to be super like worst case scenario on that stuff. But anyways, let's just keep going through. So utilities, sure. what are you paying for? What are you not paying for? Um, so the tenants pay um, 
everything or sorry we pay for everything right now um except for in one of the units but it's separately metered for gas and electricity mm-hmm. so we'd only be paying water eventually um, but right now it's about two thousand dollars a year for water and electricity and about uh 1600 a year for gas that's really not bad for a fourplex mm-hmm Okay, but they're all one beds, or are they two beds? Um, I think there's three two beds and one one bed. I'm, I, honestly, I've never even been there. Um, That's the hand Jeremy hand. and Taylor. Jeremy and Taylor, they're like, "Hey, this property's good," and I was like, "All right, let's do it." And that's it. That's it. So, I think I saw yeah, some pictures every now and then, and like that, right? Like you got. Oh, I trust them a thousand percent. Yeah, relationships are everything, in my opinion. Yeah, like you work with people you trust because if you don't trust the person, there's always a way they can do something in the fine print. Like it really, yeah. reputation really does matter, in my opinion. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah no, it's so it's so easy with them for that. So, are you guys paying a manager, or are you budgeting a, for management? You paying them for management? Uh, I think we budgeted. I think it was five percent for them in there. I can't remember exactly. Okay, and then lawn um, snow removal. I'm sure they get a really good deal down there. Yeah, yeah, we have it like on all of their stuff. So I think all of their properties, including like the stuff that we have together, just gets cut all on the same day type of thing. Right. So I think it's like a pretty good deal. I can't remember exactly. Eight hundred a year or something. Yeah, it's it's like quite a bit cheaper than what i'm able to get um oh yeah like management i do see that we do have five percent management in there as well yeah i know that i pay quite a bit more for i I pay quite a bit more for for snow and landscaping that i could that i would need to like i definitely know there are some people that pay a little bit less but i like the guy that i work with he's uh yeah he's he's reliable so We'll keep riding that one for now. But uh, absolutely, some things are just worth the money. Yeah, like I'll pay a bit more for certain things if I know that that I can count on that, you know, person. So, yeah. So we'll uh, keep rolling through this. So what uh, you figure it's worth? Well, I, let's not even do that. You you got appraised mm-hmm. at uh, the three sixteen, right? Three sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll we'll put it in three twenty here and just knock off that uh 1%. So your mortgage is around 237 something like that. Yep. Okay. Uh so you're a 25 year and you had what kind of interest rate on that? Uh that was a 3.2% interest rate. Still really good. Really good. Yeah. It's like all the interest rates are like we we're complaining like little babies right now, right? Yeah. You know, we're we're <laughs> oh my god, you're paying three percent? What the hell is wrong with you? Like I have a zero point zero one percent mortgage. How dare you pay three percent like that? We're 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 a little spoiled right now. Yeah, we are. It's uh, it's definitely not <laughs> not bad. You can't complain about it for that, but what it's really doing is it is contributing to driving the price of everything up because people Yeah, for sure. More, right. Um, okay, so the other so, thing too that go ahead. That, yeah. The other thing too that kind of worries me for a lot like a lot of the people reaching out maybe to you too on instagram or whatever else they're like oh my god like this property is great it cash flows 200 bucks a month after expenses and i was like yeah but like what interest rate are you using they're like oh i'm using one percent i was like but like that's not gonna be one percent forever and then like how much are our rents gonna go up so like run your numbers maybe at two percent run your numbers maybe at like two and a half percent just like be a little bit safe i don't know what's gonna happen first obviously i don't know um i don't know in general but like my parents had to renew their mortgage in the 80s and not at the 20 percent, but they got a renewal offer i think at 18 or 17 percent and they had to sell their house i'm surprised they were able to sell their house when i hear that story i I wish i'd ask them more questions i could ask my mom still i don't know if she'd remember the details but yeah i mean can you imagine being faced with that and, and what that would do You'd like to think that we're we're you know evolved past that, but I think if anything, the average man or woman knows less about mortgage <laughs> uh, interest rates and how and how our system works and monetary policy works now than they did then. Oh man! So it's it's concerning because what happens if, like what I expect, inflation does go rampant? Yeah, I really do expect that to happen. It's a matter of time. Yeah. What happens when it does? In the normal way, they control inflation is by. Raising, uh, interest, raising rates. interest rates. Yeah. So if they do, first off, that creates a government crisis because of the amount of debt that they've taken out. But then, yeah. what does it do when our five-year renewals are up and you, have, yeah. you know, all of a sudden you have a quarter of your portfolio re- renewing at more than at twenty percent? Yeah, twenty percent. And then if anybody has that problem, then the market floods with inventory and the price gets driven down. So this is not yeah. going to be doomsday, but it, we do need to think about those possibilities and then think, yeah. okay, how can I hedge myself against that happening on all of my properties at once? Yeah. You know, if yeah. I can just 
you know, take a couple three-year terms, take a 10-year term, a five-year yeah. term. Flatter it. Yeah, yeah, you just try and separate it and diversify your rates so that you're yeah. not going to get smacked around all at once if, if something yeah. happens. <laughs> That's sort of what I'm working on right now because, like, like you know, everything sort of is going to be renewing all at the same time. So I'm, I'm trying to structure it. So yeah, it's a, a two year, three years, year, four year, five year. Grab a couple of 10 years in there while things are low, man. It's uh, yeah. it's not a bad hedge against what might happen. In the States, they're really sheltered because they can get 30 year mortgages. So things can go mm-hmm. crazy and you're protected all the way through. It surprises me that you know Canada is generally a little bit more liberal with regulation than, than the US, yet somehow they've got that, which is clearly more to the benefit for their, stu- their, uh, their citizens than... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's really interesting tangent here but yeah it's cool it's a it's cool little side topic absolutely definitely um okay so your cash flow on this place looks like it would be about thirteen hundred dollars a month which is you know a a quality cash flow not a lot of people ever see and so your yearly pay down about eight uh about seven thousand dollars just short and then if we figure three percent appreciation that's just sort of ten grand so your total return on that's like 32 grand cash on cash return for your down payment is about 17%. So you're getting 17% on your actual cash invested. And then your overall return, which includes your pay down and your appreciation. And these are hypothetical appreciation mm-hmm. numbers. About 35%. So that sure beats the savings account. It beats mortgage investing. It beats a lot of things. But of course, yeah. this type of thing isn't as hands-off. You're, yeah. you're splitting this investment with Taylor and, and uh, Jeremy, right? That's right. That's right. Um, so I guess a little bit more uh, on that. Like right now, our, our average rent per unit is about 900000 bucks, roughly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's quite low for the two beds um, and uh, kind of average for the one beds in Chatham that we're seeing right now. So if, uh, if the rents are up to market, maybe 1200, 1250, 1300, something like that mm-hmm. um, in the two beds and uh, maybe about 1050 or so in the one bed, yeah. um, that's sort of uh, where I'm coming from in, in the next, over the next year or so. Um, if that cap rate even stays at that shit 9% or 9.5%, it's still it's still okay. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll buy it from you at a 9%. How's that? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, that sounds okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's there's going to be buyers that that's a silly appraisal and you can get that if you get certain appraisers that don't really know their stuff. There yeah. are guys um, out of London that understand the value of this type of asset and might be a little bit more liberal. Uh, the beauty yeah. with commercial is that you should be able to pick your own appraiser. So if you're if you're financing this with one of the your own bank your own banks, as long as they yeah. put a you know, as long as they address the appraisal to that lender or provide you with a letter of transmittal, which means mm-hmm. you, can, you can use it for that lender, then then you can actually just say, hey, I have an appraisal. Here it is. And yeah. they won't do that with residential, but mm-hmm. last time I tried, they were still doing it with commercial. Yeah, no, same for me. Um, that was a lesson learned. I like that was in my first commercial mortgage. I didn't know anything about anything. Um, they and they're the like, appraisal for you? They, they, they did, yeah. Yes, yeah, so it's RB, RBC that. did that. Yeah, that was yeah, definitely a bad idea. Appraisal, right? You know, they're yeah, yeah. Like the appraiser that's going to be really conservative. You know? Hell yeah. And like, I, I didn't know at the time, right? So yeah. well, lessons learned. So you could easily go back. I mean, I don't know what the commercial term is like. Uh, you know, if you read through the fine print and to see if you'd be able to break it and, and increase mm-hmm. it, but they may they may want to like see you through at least the first year before yeah. they look at that. That's what I mean. Like I, I got two years on this thing um, before I have to renew. And at that point, I maybe I just won't renew with them. I'll go like I'm, I'm building relationships with other other commercial lenders now anyway. So that's just what it's going to be. Like it doesn't really. I, I know more now than I did back then <laughs> in general. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like you, you just fail forward with this stuff. It's not really a fail. It's just not as good a deal as you, you could have got. And then in the future, yeah. you'll probably do much, much better. I hope so. <laughs> and this deal seems great. I, I think that, you know, Chatham has its, its own, you know, list of, you know, potential concerns. I don't know oh my God, yeah. about, about Chatham, uh, but tell me some of the things you see that concern you about Chatham and tell me what you like about Chatham. Um, I like the cash flow in Chatham. Um, I like the proximity to Windsor and that's sort of the two things I like about it. <laughs> there's, uh, there's some solid properties that are well built. Um, the things I kind of don't like about Chatham are the core economy is okay. You know, like a lot of people bring up the unemployment in Chatham and blah, blah, blah. Like London has worse unemployment than Chatham. Like I'm not, I'm not looking at anything like that, but it's the uh, industry supporting. So 
the industry supporting Chatham is kind of limited in comparison to most cities in general. So that's kind of the the other concern. But from what I'm seeing now, especially like with a lot of tenants coming to London from Toronto, uh, you don't have to work in the city to work in the city anymore, right? So I don't know, like it's been strong rental income, strong tenant applications. Um, like there's there's not really much to like about Chatham, in my opinion. <laughs> um, but uh, there's there's not enough to dislike to not invest there um, based off of the uh, data that we're seeing for the tenant profile, uh, their rental income and the type of properties that are there. Well, it's super affordable for the average Canadian. So that's naturally going to draw some people there. Where do you see most of your tenants working? I mean, are you familiar with, with the type of job or the job profile that they have? Zero clue. And like that is um, that is 100% offloaded to uh, Jeremy Taylor there. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I would say like it's it's a hub for its area, right? There's nothing, you know, unless you go to Windsor or London, there's nothing bigger, um, closer than those two cities. So I, I would say it's a bit of a yeah. hub for its area. So it's probably got some shopping that people come in for. So you've got yeah. services that, um, you know, provide for the shoppers and then mm-hmm. uh, and then retail, of course. And then you're going to have that. They have an okay downtown. It actually is a quaint looking downtown. Mm-hmm. And I know there's, you know, there's some improvements and money going in down there now. Yeah, um, like for got all kinds of farming and and everything. It's a very rural setting all around. Yeah. So, um, the only the only way I kind of know Chatham is like I was in the Air Cadet gliding program and whatever else, and I'm a reservist now. And in Chatham, we have one of our like gliding centers. Um, so I've been going to Chatham to the airport specifically in Chatham um, for the last I don't know. 15 years of my life um on weekends and stuff like that every now and then and uh that's how i knew about chatham and then uh like meeting meeting jeremy over nachos and beer and whatever else and we weren't even talking about joint venturing together or anything um but i knew he was investing in chatham and then when he brought forward the first uh property that we bought together it's just like i like you man this uh property looks good let's do it <laughs> and that, that was kind of how we started working together so Nice. So, I mean, that's, I think that's kind of how it happens with a lot of people, right? Like just, just talking numbers loosely, it's not an intense sales pitch. Are you familiar with, with, um, any of the major employers down there though? Or like, or, or not, not really? Not even, uh, no. Curious. I haven't really looked into it that deeply. Like I have a general feel for, for what it's about. It seems like a pretty slow and steady kind of town, not a whole lot yeah. going on. I think it's like all employees itself type of thing. Um, yeah. the, the economy like just sort of circles, circles the money around and, well, you know, yeah. I, has to be right because when you're the hub yeah. for the area you have to be self-sustaining you have to have your grocery stores your retail stores you have to have everything that that immediate area needs yeah. so as long as it doesn't go crazy to a point where the the area can't sustain it in my mind that kind of makes it a safe bet but once it starts getting like 17 20 the tipping point then yeah. then it starts to become less um less interesting to me but you're still going to have people who are working from home people who are london-based that that maybe can uh, can only come in a couple of times a week they're they're employed or lets them and they move to town, mm-hmm. right? We can get more house there. We can get nice houses there. Like yeah. those things are going to happen over time, and then new industries pop up in those cities too yeah. to help support to support that. that exactly. Yeah. So to be to be perfectly honest, like that is um, one part of my portfolio that I am like so hands off. Yeah. And it's mainly because like Jeremy and Taylor have my like full full trust, and I know they're absolutely good at what they do and beyond good at what they do they're great at what they do so um i just don't even think about it yeah so you just put the money in there did that tap you out or at this point or you you because of your ability to raise private funds you're just doing everything now with with private uh, p-notes yeah um p-notes really really helps um it's initially it was such a mindset shift man like initially when i first was getting tapped out it was just like oh god damn it like i'm running out of money i need a i need to find a way that someone will lend me money and it was like begging in my head like please like give me some money and then i can keep doing what i want to do and then it was just such a shift when i realized like no i'm, I'm providing like these guys are getting freaking 0.5 percent in their savings account like that that is that is ridiculous let let's yeah. let's let's bump that up so like let's get you six eight ten percent whatever it is and um if you want to invest this is this is the project and like now i send my investors uh like pictures from instagram or just like i take a bunch of pictures and like this is literally what i spent your four thousand dollars on here's the lowest receipt 
this is it in progress and they love that yeah. <laughs> like oh my god but they freaking love it so and giving the, them an interest rate though like what yeah I, I wouldn't even include them in anything <laughs> I, oh they, I, they love seeing it though the loose conversation is yeah i got a project coming up uh i'm gonna be adding a unit it's gonna be really mm-hmm. nice you see my work um yeah in investing i can pay you this percent and that's pretty much the end <laughs> yeah <laughs> fair enough. Well, probably like you know four six months something like that yeah um you know that's I, I try not to get too into the into the detail because if, if they're not an equity partner they don't really need to know um fair and, enough. And, and i like to put it back on well this isn't about necessarily the project this is about you know me and yeah fair you know, I wouldn't take it unless I had a, had a reason for it. And Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of my approach. Now I'm just curious what you do and how that's different. So, yeah. Cause so there's like, no right way of doing it. Yeah. Um, the reason I do it that way is because a lot of the, the people come into me, um, they really want to do the renovations, but they don't have a house to do the renovations on. So it's kind of like their own little HGTV episode where they see, Oh my God, I spent this money and I'm making this return. And I mm-hmm. in their head, like have, built this house you know um so that like the the progress or the story or the episode i guess for them is here's the picture of the materials on the truck yeah here's it demoed here's it done here you go and they're like oh my god this is great do you want more money yes i do thank you actually so that's amazing so you're finding them through instagram is that where these these are coming it's Instagram primarily, yeah, um, and then also um, friends and family that didn't know I was in real estate. Like, I, I actually have like separate, I guess, lives um, and separate Instagram accounts. I guess where my my personal stuff is just like literally just food, and oh, and that's really? kind of it. Well, <laughs> and then, Instagram uh, do I have? I, I have uh, James Ferns. Yeah, that's that's my that's my only real estate stuff. I don't really do anything else on there, um, and that is like that's not like where a lot of my my former life or whatever else knows me at all like they don't know this guy who invests yeah. in real estate so i'm slowly bridging the gap and then creating the crossover but um that's actually been quite quite good there so i actually i actually do that too uh, and people who follow me know i'm pretty terrible with social media but uh, <laughs> no there's room for improvement there but i mean with my facebook people who follow me on facebook don't know really anything about what i do so i mean i don't want to just spam them with uh, with real estate stuff all the time yeah but i mean i probably should just not care like because i am who i am right like i do yeah. what i do and if i want to talk about this i want to talk about this so yeah it's, uh, it's kind of an interesting dilemma sometimes so i created the new instagram for real estate but then i literally entirely stopped using my old instagram so it's stagnant <laughs> yeah. for for like three years that's so funny so that's actually where um where we started briefly talking about vas and stuff and that's sort of a, an area of focus that um, yeah. my future VA is going to be hitting up. So, yeah, that's see, that's interesting. Okay, so so tell me what your vision for this is. How you're going to mitigate your risk as you hand off control? Um, I'm so scared, man. What you're thinking? <laughs> so scared. So like um, the the best way someone someone told me to think about this is that there's no control. Don't don't worry about the control. They're going to do it. Fifty to eighty percent as good as you're going to do it. Maybe. Mm. That's but it doesn't matter. That's yeah. my worry. But yeah, I mean, yeah. you can coach people. Like, it's it's so freaking silly the way I look at this. Like, I've done it so much with the construction side, but it's just the admin side. That, yeah, like, it's scary, phone. man. I'm so scared. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm so not going to start off with giving away control of my. I'm not giving my logins to online banks. Yeah. Like, I'm not giving. I would give credit cards to my employees, but it would yeah. have a limit on them, so they couldn't yeah. like overdo it. Um, yeah. That's where I'm at right now, man. I'm so scared. But at the same time, I know like I have to do this. So um, I get, I guess I have like a, a plan where they're going to be starting uh, with like some of the data entry and some of the background work, um, creating my actual systems that I've been meaning to create instead of just like stomping kind of blindly forward. Um, so what I'm looking at there is like my standardized renovation plan, which I have like a rough idea of uh, my standardized materials list, which again, for every project, even though I get I hone it down a little bit more and more, there's always shit I miss. So like I, I want to keep keep building that, um, like sort of like a, a flow chart of actions when when stuff happens, uh, who to call. Um, those are the things I want my VA to start with and and build on. Um, from there, once I see like their 
probably like smart enough to handle this kind of thing um moving into the the social media side of things so like i have so many pictures and videos and like whatever else that i, I want to share i just don't i don't even have time to type something up on instagram like i don't even care to at the end of the day it's the last thing i want to do is go on instagram and, and type something up i just want to like be the mindless consumer content you know like just scroll through and like like all uh, the pictures of people are doing cool stuff and, and then just go to bed like i don't want to like create something it's not something that drives me like that um what else uh i feel i feel yeah. the same about social like i, I want to be able to post <laughs> but i don't want to do any of the work to post like you know hey but I, I want my podcast like i still do some of the editing myself yeah i want to be able to just so i have somebody that does like you know four hours of the work per episode and just the rough editing and then i do the finer stuff <clears throat> i'm still like five four or five hours posting yeah per episode i just want all that handled you know like that's yeah. the one thing to get rid of and then there's so many things like just one task at a time i want that gone i want yeah. changing my inbox gone like yeah you know check in a couple of days let them do it and kind of fail forward like everything else right i mean yes yeah, that's exactly it gotta gotta release that stranglehold that's What's what's that? uh that sorry that's what um amina was basically saying to me he's like dude you just got to pull the trigger just hire them and and pay pay them just pay them until your brain realizes you got to create shit for them to do to get your money's worth and then that's, you'll figure it out i like i like hearing people with interesting ideas like that uh that's an interesting way of looking at it where are you going to hire this <clears throat> this person from what are your expectations in terms of language communication are they going to be involved in that go yeah so sphere rocket was recommended to me by uh thomas larini um just a investor i connected on uh, via instagram Okay. He works with uh, Wala McGill, uh, Austin Ye, um, Mayu, like all these guys. They, they all work together and uh, they, they all use Sphere Rocket. So basically how their structure works is um, you pay like a 4,000 US kind of thing as a headhunter fee and a training fee and ongoing everything else fee. Um, and then you they find you a person that's for what you want to do. And they, they train them up a little bit. <clears throat> and um, they train you as well. So they give you um, ways to build your systems for the VAs. And like, I kind of don't want to butcher uh, their whole business model, but I'm, I'm super interested and I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to do it. So uh, definitely look into them there. Um, the other aspect that's kind of different from the other VA people that I looked into is uh, with them, you, you pay like, I don't know, a, a premium for them having the VA as their employee. But in this case, the VA is your international contractor. So it's just a, a set business expense. Uh, there's no like tax implications or anything else that's kind of different. Um, yeah, so I really like that. You, you set your price with them and everything like that directly. So that's sort of where I'm at. What would the VA cost? Like what type of cost are you looking at? So they kind of set their own price there. Um, it's somewhere in the range of two to up to ten dollars per hour, and and I say that like up to ten. That's that's phenomenal. And um, I was talking to, to um, Thomas, and his VA is doing templates and um, all their content, a lot of like presentations for investors, and um, a lot of their their media stuff in general. And for like four bucks an hour or whatever it is, that's pretty freaking good value so um th that's sort of where where i'm targeting somewhere in the the three to five dollar range uh roughly um probably 40 hours a week uh of work well that's that's ridiculously awesome i mean i was contemplating paying much more for for somebody local which i still yeah. do i mean for my yeah. editing i have to hand off a physical drive because the, the files are just too big way too big yeah the internet I'm not gonna yeah. do that through the internet so editing is probably one of those things that i'll have to keep um local but the other stuff yeah it can it can get uh delegated and i want somebody in my inbox i really do yeah. i want somebody ta tackling everything uh, tending to emails prioritizing things and bringing yeah. things to my attention that need to be at my attention so i'm yeah. very curious to follow up with you as you as you go yeah. through and, and and to type you know just treat like a case study as you go through it and and let us you bet. let us know how uh how that process is going so yeah um, one one other thing that was kind of neat that they mentioned was that they will they'll do a replacement if that person doesn't work out they'll do a replacement sort of as long as as they need to so so that four thousand is not lost if you don't like the correct they give you correct very interesting that could, that yeah. could be well worth it i mean to pay four thousand investment for not needing to have um you know a 20 to 25 dollar an hour salary it, it yeah. could be really great now yeah 
are you expecting good English communication skills, verbal and written? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what, um, that's what I was asking. And they have all these like testimonials and videos and, um, everything like kind of there, uh, the, the English barrier is kind of not the issue. It's the time barrier that might be the issue. Um, but again, that can sort of be adjusted depending on who the person is that you're working with. Like they could be adjusting their schedule to match our daylight hours or our working hours or your specific working hours. So um, it's, it's, I, I like them. I'm, I'm not like paid by them or anything. I haven't even used them yet, but I really do like how they have, they've created this um, kind of win-win for um people who need this kind of niche niche to be filled and same like you i was looking uh here in, in town i was like i need someone uh i'll train them i'll do whatever and i was like jesus christ it's gonna take me like 200 hours of my life to do this properly to train them properly and everything like that so um if a lot of the background can be offloaded um that's great and i know i'm still gonna probably have to spend 60 to 80 hours training them um, but there's a lot of content that they already have pre-developed to train you to train them as well and uh, one of the things that came up was whenever you're doing a task just screen record what you're doing and put it in a folder so that they can watch it later so that's smart yeah just walk yourself right through everything you're doing they can see it if they're clever and if they're interested they'll figure it out from there yeah. so that's uh, that's a really good uh, piece of advice okay james what are your some final thoughts a word of wisdom for somebody who wants to grow wants to hit the ground running you've obviously done it what are you going to tell them i really have any wisdom other than just like just do something like every every day just like it's a slight edge type of mentality every day just do like one little small useless meaningless thing that gets you a little bit closer towards your goal um and that's it that's literally all it takes yeah the idea that it compounds slight edges i read like half that book and then i felt like i got it and i just and compound effect is the other yeah yeah for a lot of these books though like um a lot of people reading a lot of books you kind of get the gist of it from the title you know what you need to do and then you procrastinate by reading the damn book (laughs) so like (laughs) very good point very good point uh okay so where should people reach you if they want to learn more instagram is definitely the best place um i don't know if they'll learn anything but uh, they'll definitely see some of my epic fails every now and then so cool so it's uh james.ferns how how do you spell that f-e-r that's right z yep james.ferns at uh on instagram there okay cool yeah i'll include that in the show notes james it's really cool hearing your story it's a little hard to believe (laughs) that you've done so much so quick and um you know i'm sure there's a lot more that we could talk about so kind of depending on the feedback uh whatever people want to know more i would ask you know email or actually don't email um post on the video if you're watching on youtube and if you're listening maybe send me or james or both a note on what you would want to hear more from james and then maybe we can do like a live stream or something in the future and kind of that sounds great all right well thank you very much for doing this james really appreciate no problem at all thanks for tuning in to today's episode please make sure to share this episode far and wide help it help more people i really appreciate you tuning in thanks i'll see you on the next one 